Welcome to RiskWise, a show about money for Muslims, where you'll learn how to make smarter financial decisions without selling your soul. For the full experience, join us at no cost at riskwise.com. Assalamu alaikum. Welcome to the show. My name is Ahmed. Assalamu alaikum. This is Saeed. Great to be here. Thank you for joining us again. So we made a bold promise a few days ago. Uh, if you read our email, I'm sure you did. But I'm sure, I'm sure everybody's on the email list by now. We made a bold promise that after our uh, unreasonably long and surprising hiatus, <laughs> unannounced, <laughs> that we didn't tell anyone about, yeah. that we are now going to be publishing and releasing a new episode twice a week. Saeed, I can feel your discomfort with that. <sighs> the anxiety rising. Right. But inshallah, I think we'll be able to do it. Um, are you going to explain anything about why we had a hiatus? Because I feel like that's cool and we should. Well, okay, yeah, a few things. Um, we had actually planned on taking Ramadan off to kind of regroup and, you know, focus on Ramadan. And we figured people aren't really going to be paying attention to us in Ramadan as, as you know, they probably shouldn't. Right. That turned into like an extended kind of Eid holiday. Um, <laughs> and then recently, my wife and I had our second child. Which Ahmed delivered himself accidentally. Yeah. There's, like there's that as well yeah <laughs> just had to throw that out there i think that's the cool we'll, part we'll link the article in the show notes yeah let's do that that's cool i'm i'm very much a local celebrity now because of this <laughs> but yeah, anyhow like we're back you're, you're called the sack basically local yeah we're back now and the good thing is that the time off i think has done us well because we've kind of gone back to the drawing board and We've talked a lot about how people have reacted and responded to the first five or six episodes that we've done, what people are learning, the questions that they have. And I think two important things have come out of this. One is we have a very clear picture now on how we're going to move forward with the podcast, which you're going to mm -hmm. see kind of unveil itself over time. Mm -hmm. And secondly, we've decided to dedicate a Q&A segment every single week. And so this is now the second episode of the week that you'll get where we'll dedicate an entire episode to answering a listener question. Mm -hmm. So if you have any questions, anything at all, and I won't, I don't want to promise that we'll answer it because we'll only, we can only answer questions that a, we can answer and B that would be relevant to the entire audience. Yeah, exactly. So if you have a question, we want to hear from you, send us an email team at riskwise.com and mm -hmm. hopefully we'll be able to answer it uh, in a dedicated episode on air. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, and, and just, just to note, we will not reveal your identity, so don't worry about, um, you know, if you, you know, you don't want to be embarrassed or anything like that. We're not going to reveal your identity. We'll know who you are, but that, you can trust us. Yeah, you'll know who you are when you hear the episode, but uh, yeah. we're not going to say your name and location, even if you give it to us. Exactly. So today's the first one, and I have the distinct honor of asking the question. Yes, because it's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I'll tell you the question first, and then I'll tell you the story behind it. Okay. So the question is, how do you deal with irregular and unexpected expenses? The kind of stuff that now that we've kind of just, we're talking about budgeting and we're still dealing with it, but the kind of stuff that doesn't really fit neatly into a budget. You can't say that, okay, this thing is going to cost me $50 a month or $100 a month, and therefore it's difficult to budget for. How do we do that? So that question is actually pretty reasonable. It's not as funny as I thought you were going to say it, but I guess we're going to get to the funny part later so I can make fun of you in a little while. But that question is very reasonable. And it's one of the Achilles heels to people who budget 
when they give up on budgeting, when they give up on tracking their expenses and how much they're spending, one of the reasons that they give up is that they come across something that's totally unplanned for, or unexpected or irregular, and it throws them off because it's not how their budget looks, right? It, it, it makes that month look worse than it should. And because it's not so uniform and perfect, people get frustrated and say, okay, well, this is kind of unreasonable. There's no point in this. Uh, why am I even tracking this? It doesn't look nice. Um, and there's a couple kinds and, and different types of unexpected expenses. I think we should talk about that first. The first kind of unexpected expense is really not so much unexpected as much as it's infrequent. In other words, it doesn't happen every single month. A good example for this is a lot of people pay their car insurance every six months rather than paying it every month. And if you did that, let's say you pay $600 a month in car insurance, it's easy to forget when it's due, you know, in month three, four. And when it does come due, it just, you know, it causes you to scramble, you know, where am I going to get $600 from? That goes way above my monthly budget. I really don't know where that money is coming from. And this kind of expected but irregular expense can be planned for. It can be planned for in your budget, doing something that seems obvious, but very few people actually do. And it should be done basically by making an irregular expense regular. And you can kind of sit down and do this. What do you pay? What's a bill that you have that doesn't happen every month? Is it car insurance? Is it property tax? Is it, you know, whatever it is that, uh, you know, maybe it's electricity. A lot of people have different bills scheduled outside of the very rigid one, once per month. And if you do, it's kind of a simple solution when you think about it. If you have car insurance that's due $600 every six months, what you should be doing is creating a separate account that's dedicated to these irregular expenses these expected but irregular expenses. And every single month, you put 100 bucks into that account, right? $600 due every six months, then 600 divided by six is 100. $100 is what it costs you per month for that uh, car insurance. 100 bucks is what you should be putting in per month into that separate expense account. So that when that bill comes due, you're not scrambling for it. It doesn't dip into your line of credit. You don't have to borrow money. You don't have to scramble. You don't have to eat ramen for a month. You actually have the money and it's covered there. It takes out cash from the more liberal months that you don't have that expense and puts it appropriately elsewhere. So you can do this right now. Make a list. What do you pay? What bill do you have? What expense do you have that doesn't happen every month but happens? Divide it by the number of months that it occurs. You come up with a monthly savings number. You put that into a separate account. Seems obvious, but nobody doesn't. So okay, that's so the first I, way. I, I think I think I see where you're going with this. Let me tell you what happened to me. Okay. So I went to the mechanic because I had some, some clicking in the brakes, right? And this had happened actually a few months ago. And I told him to take a look at it. And he said, your brakes are fine. Okay, fine. A few months pass. I'm getting the clicking again. It's been going on the whole time. I go back in and he goes, you know, first of all, he, he calls me back into the shop. He said, he said, come back here. I want you to take a look at this. Oh, that's not good. And so that's, that's never a good thing. It's and, so bad that it's obvious. <laughs> What's yeah, wrong? <laughs> yeah. I don't even want to tell you. I just want to show you. <laughs> and brake pads are gone. Rotors are gone. Tires are gone. Oh, all three. Trifecta. Trifecta consumables. So I'm, you know, I'm just kind of in here for a very routine brake pad change. I'm thinking I'll be out of there in an hour. No harm done. Next thing you know, I'm stuck with like a $1,500 bill. Right. 
how do you plan for stuff like that? Okay. So these are unexpected to definitely not regular, but kind of should be expected expenses. If that's a category, I'm going to make that up. Kind of should be expected. Expensive. Yeah, it's, it's not like the, the trouble is it's not like a bill, right? It's not like electricity or car insurance or some kind of bill that's on a predetermined schedule. It's something that you, if you're honest with yourself and if I'm honest with myself, I should have known this was coming, right? Based on the mileage of my car, based on the last time I had the brakes change, based on all that stuff, it's not really a surprise. I should have known it's coming. I should have seen it coming and I should have been saving for it. Mm-hmm. And it's difficult because sometimes those expenses are completely out of the, of the out of the blue. Like I had to replace the transmission once on one of my cars, which completely like one day is working perfectly. The next day I'm stalling like every five seconds um, and the transmission was shot. So they those are much more difficult to plan for. Actually, I think those are two fall, fall under two different categories now that I think about it. So the the kind of should be expected expenses kind of should be expected and for example, if you own a car like Ahmed does, if you own a house, if you have things that require maintenance, that stuff breaks down. And we're, if we're honest, things do break down in our homes. Things do break down with our cars. Brakes, rotors, tires are expected, kind of should be expected, that eventually they will wear out and eventually we do have to change them. It's not as regular as an oil change where you can bang on every three, six months, whatever your, your schedule is. You know it's coming and you should stay for that as a irregular but expected expense. These ones are not regular. They're not easily expected, but they kind of should be. So it's a little bit more difficult. It's not straightforward math. It's a little bit more difficult, but the end result should be the same that in the good months, like now that you have, in Ahmed's case, fresh tires, fresh brakes, fresh rotors, ideally, if you're in that situation, you should be putting some money aside into a a savings account for the eventuality of maintenance required some kind of thing that is a not that should be kind of sort of expected all that kind of maintenance and repairs that happen throughout our lives whether it's 50 bucks a month 100 bucks a month 200 bucks a month depends on a lot of things like if we're talking about cars depends on how old your car is what brand your car is some cars are cheaper to repair than others but we should be honest if you buy let's say a nice bmw that's five six years old BMWs are great. Love them. Great cars. Great to drive. Amazing to drive. But you have to know that repairing a BMW is repairing a BMW. Repairing a Mercedes is repairing a Mercedes. They are more expensive than repairing a Ford or a GM or a Honda. So the amount of money that you put away, knowing that you're going to need it eventually because those tires, brakes, rotors, uh, windshield wipers, washer fluid, that kind of stuff is going to be needing replacing, we shouldn't need to dip into a line of credit or other kinds of savings because this is something that we kind of should expect. How much money you put aside, that gets a little bit difficult. It's a little bit more difficult to calculate, but the end result is still 50, 100 bucks, 200 bucks should be going aside somewhere else outside of your day-to-day checking account and put away for those kind of should be expected expenses. Yeah, I think that's a really critical piece is get it out of your account. Because as soon as you start accumulating $500, $1,000, $2,000 in your everyday checking account, guess what? Now you've got money burning a hole in your pocket and you're going to spend it. 
And I think everybody can relate to that. If you've ever gone through a period in your life where money was tight and you had to be conservative with your spending, you knew what that felt like not to have money in your checking account. Maybe you're going through that now. You know what it feels like and you know that when money is tight, you aren't going to spend money on anything you don't need. But if you felt the other opposite side of that where you've had a lot of money in your checking account, suddenly you don't have those restrictions in yourself and money gets you know, spent. Needlessly, you know, whether it's something that you need or you don't need, I'm not going to make that, you know, judgment call on your on your behalf, but it gets spent at the end of the day. Getting it out of that main checking account that you use to spend is incredible. It's great psychological discipline to really know like, and say that number. I really like the way that um, uh, there was an interview on the So Money podcast with Ryan Holiday. Oh, yeah. And I really like the way that he he put this. He said that whenever he gets money coming in and he's an author, so he kind of gets his money in larger chunks whenever he gets a book deal. He said when he gets money coming in, he tries to put up as many walls between him and his money as possible. Right. Right. So that, you know, and he has money, but he wants to artificially create a scenario where he doesn't have money or he doesn't have access to that money. Right. And this is a great example, right? When you put that money into a separate savings account, it's it sounds like something very simple, right? The money's still there. You still have access to it. You can still spend it if you really wanted to. But by separating it and segregating it, it, you're making an important decision that's hard to go back on. Because once you take it and put it into that other account, you're deliberately deciding that this money is for this other thing. It's for my car repair fund. It's for my whatever, right? And then to dip into it at that point is to go back on that and to say, well... You know, I put it here, but I'm going to take it out anyways. Yeah. And, and and you're much less likely to do that than if you kept it into, if you kept it in your day-to-day checking account and just, you know, oh, well, yeah, I'll replenish it later. Right? Mm-hmm. That's a lot easier to do than to go into a different account. You've got to make a new decision to say, I'm robbing my future, this expense that I kind of should expect. I'm going to put myself in a, a difficult position in the future. You're yeah. making that decision and when you remove that money there's out. There's an element of guilt there. <laughs> and guilt is a powerful thing. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Now, there is, I did mention really quickly, you know, what if you need to replace, replace a transmission or, you know, something that you really can't expect, like, you know, uh, a meteor crashing into your roof and you need to replace it or, you know, a pipe bursting and you need to, you know, redo uh, drywall and stuff. Um, that stuff is, you know, and, and, and it sounds like we're telling you to create a lot of different accounts. You can. Um, I think that it makes life a little bit easier, but you can also do this on a spreadsheet so that you know when you look at your account. I look at my spreadsheet and I say, I have $10,000. Well, 8000 is earmarked for this. 1000 is earmarked for that. And I really only have $1,000 in my checking account. It's up to you how you do it. But the third group of savings that I'm going to encourage you to do, and this is a very typical uh, um, advice that you get from financial planners and it is to create an emergency fund. And this is distinct from the last two that we just talked about. The distinction between an emergency fund and the last two that we talked about is repairing the brakes in your car is not an emergency. Of course, it's an emergency when your brakes are gone and you you know, you know, have a brand new baby and you need to you know take that baby from the hospital home or, or ever, ever use that car again. Um, but it's an expected thing. So an emergency would be something that is completely, you and I right now sitting down making a list can't come up with what you're going to use this money for. Therefore, putting money away for it seems dumb. But it isn't because emergencies do pop up. Do you want to keep that money aside in that emergency fund and use it for the dual purpose of kind of should be expected expenses and straight up emergencies? Your call. 
but there needs to be a pot of cash set aside for things like losing your job unexpectedly, um, a disability that, you know, you can't go to work for a few numbers of uh, a number of months. And let's say you have a disability coverage that doesn't kick in for a while. Uh, let's say, you know, we have unexpected medical expenses. Let's say you have, and I'm not kidding. I had someone, um, a client had a situation where they dipped into their emergency fund. I don't even know if I should say this, but to pay ransom for a relative who was kidnapped in their home country. Whoa. Yeah. I mean, how do you plan for that? I mean, they had emergency fund. That's what they used. That's where they got the money from. And for to free that person. Apparently, this is an industry that exists in some countries. Yeah, yeah. No, it is. Definitely. So emergencies happen. You don't know what's going to happen. You don't know what you're going to need it for. But eventually something will happen. And it'll just, you will go to bed at night, every night, feeling far more secure than you do today about your financial situation if you have money set aside in an emergency fund that you don't have earmarked to be spent on a vacation. It's not earmarked for a new car. It's not earmarked for a new house or a renovation. It is just there in case stuff happens. You will feel far more comfortable about your life by having that. How much should you put in there? That's a difference of opinion. My opinion is if you have a very safe and secure job, you're young and healthy, you should have three months, at least three months of your expenses put away. That's three months of your living expenses, food expenses, all the stuff you normally spend on that requires you to make a budget first. Know how much you spend and have three months worth sitting in a checking account. That's what I think is minimum for everybody to have. Well, and that's that's for a very typical scenario when, when you're employed. Secure job, good health, you know, relatively stable life generally. And I know where you're going with this. So yeah, I mean, if you're self-employed or you're an entrepreneur of some sort, it should be more like six months to a year. Exactly. And entrepreneurs in the audience, they'll understand why. Income goes up and down. Business gets hot and cold. You got You should be prepared for the cold months when you're hot. So entrepreneurs, uh, uh, contractors, freelancers, um, and that could include medical professionals who work as independent contractors to hospitals and clinics. You should be having six months. It seems unreasonable, but it's not you will go to bed at night feeling better about yourself. Well, I guess that's a wrap. Thank you so much. Zayn. It's been <laughs> no, really no, great. no. It's been, uh-uh. really, it's, no, 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 no. You asked me an absurd question when you were at this, the, the mechanic shop and we're going to ask it. Well, here, we're, we're, we're really running out of time here. So <laughs> I don't, I don't know if, uh, we got two minutes. We got two minutes. <laughs> <laughs> do it. So when I was what at the did mechanic, you ask me to do? I mean, this is actually why I thought this episode was a good idea. Yeah. Uh, but but what I asked Saeed was, look, I'm already shelling out, you know, 1500 bucks, whatever, right? Mm-hmm. And it doesn't feel good, right? This is not like, you know, it's not like buying something that you want to buy. It's tires and brakes and rotors for your car. It's just, it's stuff that makes your car work. Yeah. So I'm not really deriving any benefit out of it. And I'm not complaining. I know I have to spend it. I just... It doesn't, you know, it's unexpected that day in the morning. I didn't know I had to spend $1,500 by the afternoon. I had spent it and I haven't really gotten anything out of it. It's not a good feeling. Right. Right. So I said to say, there was, look, I, I got to buy new tires anyways. Right. Is it, is it justified for me to spend, let's say an extra $500 on some good performance tires that I'll actually enjoy and I'll be excited about? And he laughed in my face. <laughs> <laughs> so, you're, you you know, in that scenario, 
we want to spend an extra 33% on an expense for performance tires to feel good about a decision that sucks because you have to make this decision. It's not like you're spending $1,500 on something you love, like let's say a computer or a bag or you know whatever it is that you like to spend money on. It's just brakes, tires, and uh, rotors. I get that sucks. <laughs> to make it a logical, financially justifiable expense to go above and beyond that and buy performance tires, no way. There's no way, there's no math that you can run where I will say logically, yeah, you know, why not? Spend that extra $500 so you can feel good. I mean, it's not a, uh, a revelation that spending money makes people feel good, right? We have an entire consumption-based industry um, revolved around that idea. And if you let that become a valid excuse that, hey, I want to spend money so I can feel good, there's no limit to what bad decisions will happen. So, yeah, no, that was hilarious. There's no way. Yeah, but that's how many be logical. how many financial decisions are purely logical? And that's so when you called me, when you messaged me, I don't think you were expecting an illogical piece of advice. <laughs> that's not what I'm here for. That's not the answer you're going to get from me. No, I I I knew you'd make fun of me and I knew we'd argue <laughs> and then I thought it'd be funny for the show. Yeah, so let's keep going. Because you kept going, and I want I want that to come out. No, I mean, so, no, but that's that's an honest question. Like, can you even think of a of a purely logical financial decision? Yeah, lots. Okay, like food, shelter, well, education. What kind of food? No shelter, no way. There's nothing logical about it. It's all emotion. No, you do need shelter. Well, the the so yeah. So let's talk about that then. Yeah, okay, sure. Do you live in a hut. Right, exactly. So how much you spend on your shelter isn't always logically ju justifiable. I completely agree with my, you there. My tire decision, I'm going to argue, is no different than your housing decision. Fair enough. Because Anybody you don't could, need to live where you live. I could live in a shack, probably. And, it, and I, that would serve your purpose and you would, you know, in terms of Maslow's hierarchy, need fulfilled. <laughs> Yeah, maybe. I mean, I probably would lose a wife. So how dare uh, you <laughs> criticize me for my tires? <laughs> um, there, there was an, an anchor that you asked in that question that why tires also made sense. Not just to feel good, but there was something else. I don't remember. Can you remind me? Uh, it prevents you. Ah, right, right. Yes, yes. So I also wanted to buy rims. I've wanted to buy rims for a long time. Rims. I never really, you know, could find, and if you don't know anything about cars, rims are like the metal that the tire sits around. It's like the wheel part. Yeah. And they're expensive. And I could never justify it. I mean, that's something that I just couldn't justify. It wasn't that important to me. I wasn't dying to have them, but I just wanted them. So part of my justification for getting the tires, and I did get them, by the way, <laughs> is is that... If I get the tires now, I'm a lot less likely to buy rims in the future because... If I get the tires now, then the, the new rims, those tires won't fit on the rims. I'll have to get tires again, and that's just unreasonable. So this yeah. was my way of kind of backing myself into a corner and preventing myself from being from making an even bigger, you know, financial purchase. So basically, the the, the logic goes: if I spend X dollars, it prevents me from spending five times X dollars. And I, I really like this question. I really like both your logical progressions in, you know, feeling good about performance tires and that performance tires prevents you from buying rims because everybody has their thing, 
that they want to spend money on and that they're looking for rationalizations and excuses to spend that money on. And it could be a bigger house. It could be a new kitchen. It could be uh, nicer clothes, nicer shoes, nicer bag. It could be a, a ton of different things. And human beings are incredible at uh, we call this uh, pattern recognition in psychology, where we can find and develop patterns that make sense. They really might not even exist, but we'll develop these patterns in order to make sense of stuff. It's We have a need in our brain to make sense of stuff. So if we have this desire to spend a quarter million dollars more on a bigger home, our brains are going to kind of look for a way to have that make sense. We're going to look for some patterns. We're going to look for some arguments. We're going to look for some kind of rationale to make sense of this very irrational desire, innate emotional desire that we have for, you know, rims. And, you know, if you're older than 17, you probably shouldn't be buying rims anymore. Um, bigger houses, nice clothes, a nicer, you know, video game system, uh, video cards for my computer, which I may or may not be doing soon. Um, we're oh, oh, for- oh, but you can be you can be a thirty year old that still plays video games. <laughs> heck, heck yeah, yeah. Problem solving, yes. Isn't Hello, that, isn't there a word for you guys? Um, geniuses. I no, think there's a word. Oh. Yeah, it starts with the G. Geniuses. No, yeah, that's no. right. Something about like old man gamers. I don't know. Anyhow. Oh really? Oh no, I've not heard of that before. Um, there's some yeah, short so- form, it's, and it's not flattering. But anyhow, <laughs> um, there is. Uh, uh, and the reason I like this question for Ahmed and why when we discussed it, I thought we should ask it is because it's very personal to who Ahmed is as a person. He's a gearhead, loves cars. Um, that's how him and I got along in the, in the beginning. Um, and what he likes is could be different from what you like. But the thought process from – and Ahmed is a very – like, you know, I'm kind of making fun of him. But he is a very, very smart guy, very financially conscious, capable, well, well-read, I was obviously. Say, I always tell my wife it's, it's unfortunate that I have I – have so many financial i have so many expensive habits <laughs> you're like you're like oh yeah everyone has their thing i'm like i got lots of things <laughs> <laughs> yeah and i'm sure people do maybe some you know some people might have one thing but that one thing is like you know multi-million dollar homes which you know it, it is what it is so be aware of it you know ahmed was aware of it when he asked the question he knew i was going to rag on him i don't think he knew we we're going to make an episode out of it but it's it's funny enough and it's relatable because it could be replaced rims and performance tires with anything else that you desire to spend money on wherever your money goes it could be books it could be houses it could be anything the logical decisions or the, or the you know somewhat logical decisions that you make or that you try to use to rationalize these decisions recognize that they're just rationalizations. It's just you looking for a logical, explainable reason to want to have something that kind of really doesn't make sense. And if it needs like an hour, two hour, three day long explanation period to your spouse, then you're really just making rationalizations (laughs) for something. But it's great. And I think the most important thing is just to acknowledge that you're going to do it. Everyone does it and you're going to do it. And it's, it's dangerous when you don't know you're doing it. Oh, that is. Oh, yeah. That's when it's really dangerous. And, and and unfortunately, most people, I think, are in this category where they're rationalizing purchases and expenses without even realizing that their 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 emotions are playing tricks on them. Mm-hmm. I knew exactly what was going on. <laughs> <laughs> and I think I mean, you can train yourself to be able to identify when that kind of rationalization process is, is, is taking shape. 
And, and you can do one of two things. Either you can nip it in the bud. And certainly a lot of the times that's what you need to do. You need to kind of like force yourself to stop rationalizing things and come to terms with reality and don't make that purchase. Right. But sometimes you're going to do it. And when you do it, acknowledge that it happened and make a deliberate decision that, you know, I decided in that case that that $500 was worth it. And that's a decision that I made. I know why I made it and acknowledge it because that's better mm. than not knowing what happened. Right. And if you do that, and if you get in the practice of acknowledging when you go through that process of rationalizing something and how it happens and the tricks you're playing on yourself, if you keep doing that, you're going to get better at making decisions, guaranteed. Yeah, absolutely. Know yourself, man. Know yourself. Awesome. Are you done now criticizing me and my way of life? <laughs> you knew this was coming. You know what you got into. You know what? The tires are a blast, so I don't even have any regrets. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I can imagine. Oh, God, I imagine. Yeah, that's... I remember I used to get performance tires all the time, man. I know I know the uh, the rationalization for sure myself. Okay, Love but, uh, you know, just, just one more thing. This is not... Uh, it's not as bad as it sounds. They're, they're still all-season tires. They're all-season mm -hmm. sport tires. Oh, okay. So they're not like your true performance tires that are going to go in like a season. These are a little bit more reasonable and logical than that. Oh, okay. Because back in my day, it was like... Two seasons and you're done. Yeah, no, no, no. No, these are these are better than that. Awesome. Yeah. Good stuff. I'm not, I'm not that bad. <laughs> Fair enough. All right, Sade. Thank you so much. Until We're still friends. Time, it's okay. Hope you guys enjoyed the Q&A episode. And next week, we'll actually let you ask a question <laughs> instead of me. So, yes. again, team at riskwise.com. Send us an email with your question, and we'd love to answer it on the show. Absolutely. Looking forward to it. Inshallah. Jazakallah khair. Assalamu alaikum. Assalamu alaikum.